Hello everybody, welcome in to Sports Plus Live, if you're watching us live on Facebook or social media. Uh, hello on the Sports Plus Podcast, if you're listening to us later in the week at some point. I'm Corey Miller, uh, Channel 5 Sports uh, Producer, Reporter here with Sports Director Frank Cusimano, and it might be the offseason, the World Series might have just wrapped up, but you know St. Louis is never going to stop talking about the Cardinals, and there's quite a bit, nothing really to, to talk about, but a lot of speculation, well, there's a lot to talk about. But more speculation here, because the Cardinals seem to have tipped their hand of how this offseason is going to go. Fans are pretty upset, and I think uh, they've got quite a point here. The Cardinals declined Colton Wong's option for 2021, and that's really been the talk of the town. Frank, I think this really is a telling sign of what this winter is going to be like for the Cardinals and like for baseball. If you can't keep your, gosh, Wong, I think was second on the team in overall war in 2020, if you can't keep him back on a $12.5 million option, I think it's going to be a rough winner. Well, I think that if there's no question they're a better baseball team if Colton Wong is on it. There's no doubt about it. I think that the real uproar is going to happen is if they let Colton go, he doesn't come back, and you don't try to add something. You see, I don't think Tommy Edmond playing second base is that much of a drop-off. I'd rather have Colton Wong. But if you can use some of that $11.5 million to get a guy with a high slugging percentage, a guy that's going to hit 20 to 25 home runs, I'm okay with it. Because you have to remember this, Corey. The St. Louis Cardinals hit 51 home runs last year. The Pittsburgh Pirates hit 58. They were the lowest hitting home run team in baseball. They were 28th in slugging. They have a dramatic need for slugging. So if they use some of that money to get a power hitter, and I don't think it's going to be you know, George Springer, but I'd settle for Jock Peterson, I'd be okay with it. But you've you got to make sure you use some of that money to get yourself somebody who can hit a home run. I think you nailed it right on the nose there. We know the Cardinals, their defense has been great. Wong's been the leader of that. But that's a place you can substitute if you can get some more offense somewhere else and spend that money. But if they don't go out and do that, and I don't know, I, just from the outside looking in, signs point to that not happening, at least a, a big, big name that fans might want. Uh, John Mosellock made it very clear. They're looking to cut payroll. Uh, I know everybody around baseball, the money's down. There were no fans. The pandemic's going on. But I think they're kind of owners have been looking for a reason to not spend money. They've got one, and I really don't see anybody breaking the bank uh, unless you're like the Yankees or something and you can really afford it this offseason. Yeah, that's why that if John Mosellock is patient, and he's a smart guy, there's no doubt about it. He's been the general manager of the St. Louis Cardinals or president for 13 years, and they've had 13 winning seasons. I think there's a realistic chance he can get one of those outlet mall, you know, late off-season ads at a good price. I do think that's a possibility because, as you mentioned, Corey, I don't think many people are going to spend. I think George Springer is going to get paid and a few others, but not many. So I think you'll have a lot of guys out there that you could probably get late that may work. I, if I'm Mosellock, and we've been throwing around some names here, uh, you just talked to the commission today. He threw out Gregory Polanco, which is an interesting name. We've been talking about Jack Peterson. If you can get these guys for a good price, I wouldn't mind bringing in a few and just saying, okay, somebody show me you can hit and play the outfield and you're going to play. 
because they have to get more production from there. Other than Peterson and Polanco, what are some other maybe value names you well, might be I think thinking of? Michael Brantley is a professional hitter. There's no doubt about it. I mean, he would upgrade your offense dramatically. He doesn't hit a lot of home runs, but more than probably what you're getting right now. Plus, he's going to have a high batting average, a high on-base percentage. He's great in the clubhouse. And I think because of his age, like 33, 34, uh, you're not going to have to give him a three-year deal. I mean, I think that's a guy you could get on a one-year deal. Maybe you have to give two, but I think that's somebody you have to consider. I really like Brantley. He was great for our fantasy team this year. He would yeah. be a fantastic uh, number two hitter right in front of Paul Goldschmidt. I think that would be a smart move on the Cardinals' part. Let's move on. We actually got somebody asking about the next thing I was going to uh, bring up in our comments on Facebook. The other thing, other than Colton Wong, the Cardinals, our Cardinals fans have been talking about Yachty and Wayno every day. We try and advance this further because it's really what uh, fans are most interested in this offseason. Uh, we know where Yachty stands. He wants two years. He's willing to look, at least say he's looking elsewhere to get it. We've heard uh, Wayno and some rumors about the Atlanta Braves, which makes a lot of sense. How do you feel right now when talking about those two, maybe as you did, compared to how you were two, three weeks ago? Well, I think there's a better chance that Adam Wainwright returns. And I think you could almost make a case, and it seems kind of odd because he pitches once every fifth day, as opposed to a catcher who wants to go 150 days. But you could almost make a case for Wainwright being as valuable. I mean, Corey, if you look at his starting staff, okay, Jack Flaherty, guaranteed. But after that, who on that staff has ever been a part, or, or do you really like their chances of being, you know, getting 30 starts next year? You have Miles Michaelis was with kind of a mysterious injury. You have KK, who's never been a starter for 162 games. You have Gomber, who hasn't done it. You have Ponce de Leon, who hasn't done it. You have Alex Reyes, who hasn't done it. I think it's a good idea, if I'm the St. Louis Cardinals, to bring back my best pitcher. And he was my best pitcher last year. So I think losing Wainwright right now, as Dakota Hudson has to sit out a year, and you're not sure about Michaelis, you know, could be devastating. I agree. Uh, there's a lot of talent uh, in that Cardinals rotation and their entire pitching staff, as we know. But like you said, not a lot of experience. Yeah, I feel like they, they really have to bring Wayne right back, especially with Hudson going down. Let's move on from St. Louis. Let's drive up a little bit. We'll go to Chicago. We haven't had a chance to talk about this on the podcast yet. Tony Larusa is back in the big leagues. It had been rumored for a while. They made it official. And, you know, I knew, at least on social media, I knew people were maybe not going to like this. I don't know if I was ready for just how much they weren't going to like this, at least the public appearance on social media. He is getting it rough from White Sox fans most of all. Yeah, well, think about the age of people on social media. Those are people who don't know that this is one of the greatest managers of all time. And they have a perception of him that, oh, I bet he won't be able to get along with the modern athlete and he's going to have problems with Anderson right away and some of the histrionics that people have after home runs. But let me tell you something. LaRusse is a smart guy. The guy went to law school. Uh, one of the best things he has ever done in his career is to get his stars, you know, on the same wavelength with him. Now, granted, there have been a couple of problems over the years, but what did he do when Albert Pujols, you know, became a star. He basically said he's the greatest player I've ever managed. You know, Mark McGuire here before that. Mark McGuire in Oakland. Ricky Henderson in Oakland. He's managed some difficult personalities and some guys that, you know, are a little bit different and 
you know, have a lot of uh, flair about them, and he's gotten along with them. I don't think that's going to be a problem. I think that LaRusso is going to have the right embracing of analytics, but the right old-school approach, and I think he's going to get along with people. And with that team, Corey, I think you could manage that team, and you'd go over 500. Uh, don't sell me short here, Frank. Yeah. I think I could do pretty well. Well, you did I'd, a fun, wonderful job in fantasy office, baseball, I should say. You were an outstanding executive. <laughs> Thank you. I'm with you on the Larusa thing. If I'm a White Sox fan, I listen. Their window is just opening, and you're able to go out and bring in one of the three best managers in the history of baseball to take over for that, who's won three championships already. Uh, I. I think it's being overblown how much this new age is going to hurt Tony LaRusso. It's not like he's been out of the game completely. He's been around it for the last couple of years. Or since he got out of it with different organizations, he knows how the game has changed and evolves, and he's got a heck of a team. Uh, Jerry Reinsdorf, it was all about Jerry Reinsdorf's relationship with Tony. He did not uh, like how he, he looked back on letting it go, letting him go way back when is one of his biggest mistakes, trying to correct that and win a World Series. I think he's going to do it in the next – do not Do we know how many years they gave him? I, I never actually saw that. Yeah, it's but called was, a multi-year deal. Three? I mean, I couldn't picture it more okay. than three. It's probably two with an option. And who knows, if he were to win one, maybe he'd get out right away. But back to that analytics thing for just a moment, I think people forget – that although it wasn't called analytics when he was doing it, he was one of the early guys looking at numbers and looking at matchups and working with, with Dave Duncan and his outstanding staff. I think, you know, and now he's openly said, he goes, it's a lot easier to do it now because on your desk before a game, you have all the numbers right in front of you. So, yeah, I, I don't think it's going to be a problem. You could credit in part the modern-day bullpen to Tony Larusa. So, yeah, I think uh, that's being overblown as well. We'll see how it goes. I'm excited. I think baseball's more exciting with a guy like Tony back in it, so it should be fun. Let's move on. Let's switch sports a little bit. Let's talk Mizzou football. Big Florida letdown uh, last weekend. I was excited and enthusiastic going in because you knew Florida was going to be missing quite a few people because of their uh, COVID outbreak, and they had had a few weeks off. Mizzou came in looking good. Uh, They came into the game. First quarter, I would say Mizzou won the first quarter, and then it just completely fell apart. There was a brawl on the field, and it was just kind of a mess and another big letdown. Now, nobody was picking Mizzou to win the East, but if they would have won that game, they're in the driver's seat and we're hyping up this Georgia game in, in another week as, as kind of the decider. But uh, I think they've overperformed. That does stink this past weekend, though. Yeah, what surprised me was... Mizzou tried to play a lot of man-to-man in that secondary with all these Florida four-star and five-star athletes. I hope one day Mizzou has a roster loaded with that. They don't have it right now. And that was the story of the game. It's not like Eli Drinkwitz was really outcoached. It's that Dan Mullen has done better recruiting over the last three or four years. I mean, Drinkwitz wasn't at Mizzou, and it's a little easier to recruit at the University of Florida with all that great tradition they have than it is at the University of Missouri. The other thing is, um, and I think I've mentioned this before, but I don't know if any coach has ever had a baptism under fire like Coach Drinkwitz. I mean, when they step on the field next week against Georgia, that'll be six games, and five of them are against ranked opponents. Who's ever began a career like that? That's insane. 
How big do you think this good start for him could be when it comes to recruiting? Because we know right now this isn't really his team. He's just kind of working with whatever he can scramble together and what's left over from Barry Odom. But he's getting his guys in there starting next year, strong recruiting class, and a strong first year, I think, can make it even better going forward. Well, he, he, did, he did initially very well, particularly in the area. But after he got Tyler Macon, I thought he was going to follow it up and get the two East St. Louis receivers, Lovett and Lewis, and they're going to Arizona State and UCLA. I also thought that Luther Burden Jr., at Cardinal Ritter, one of the best junior wide receivers in America, would have been a great fit in Eli's very creative offense, but he's going to Oklahoma. So uh, maybe he's going to have to do it the Gary Pinkle way. You know, get three stars, coach them up, make Denario Alexander one of the best receivers in college football, and, and maybe steal a five star from time to time. So he's, he's going to be fine, but there's been some, you know, untapped, some great talent in the area that he didn't land this offseason. Oh, man, Denario Alexander. He was so much fun. That's one of, that was one of my favorite college players. And then the Rams got him, and I was so excited, and he could just never stay healthy. I thought he was going to be a star. Man, Frank, you made me sad on this Thursday yeah, night. Yeah, you know, Corey, I, I, had a, I have a Heisman Trophy ballot, and Alexander's season was so freaking unbelievable. Yards per catch, yards, touchdowns. He was the best wide receiver in America. I put him third on my Heisman ballot that year. He was that special. He was a lot of fun. Uh, last thing, let's talk about our list this week. goes along with Tony La Russa, uh, who's coming back to coach. Who are some other guys that have uh, thrived at an advanced age, if you want to call it that, back in uh, the big leagues or in college or something? Who's, yeah, you know, uh, who the, on your list do you really want to talk about this year? Or not this year, this week. Well, the guy that really jumps out at me, and it's not a mainstream sport, is Jimmy Connors, the pride of Belleville. He was number one in the world for 160 weeks. He won the most tournaments, he played in the most matches, and he won the most matches. But what I remember most about Connors is at the end of his career, he's at the U.S. Open. This is when everybody watched the U.S. Open at night. And there's like 20,000 people at Flushing Meadows, and he is screaming at the umpires, and he's fist, you know, his fists are in the air, and he's beating these young whippersnappers. I mean, Connors at the end was so special to watch. He is, you know, the essence of a guy who in the twilight of his career was still thriving. I like that whenever we can get Grover Cleveland Alexander uh, in a sports cast, that makes me happy. <laughs> he's, yeah. a, he's an interesting guy in the history of the Cardinals, especially, I, was that, 1926 World Series when reportedly hung over, came in and, and saved the series for the Cardinals against the Yankees. Yeah, Just can you imagine? a really yeah, he interesting was, character. He pitched a complete game. He pitched a complete game in game two and then game six, and then the next night they bring him out to face Tony Lazari, who was you know, almost as good as Ruth and Gehrig or, or was an unbelievable player, and he struck him out with the bases loaded, then he finished out the game in the eighth and ninth, and this, as you mentioned, allegedly with a hangover. <laughs> Okay, that's going to do it for this episode of the Sports Plus Podcast. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. We will try to be back next week, see if the Cardinals have any more movement on uh, the free agent or trade front, and maybe what's going on with the Blues as we get closer, hopefully for them starting a the season here in a couple months. Thanks for tuning in, everybody.